0: Adding to the disclaimer that opinions of a host and of the guests of any particular show shall not affect the radio network as a whole. We reserve all ability and freedom of speech from all participants involved, including callers, and if you're offended, tough shit. Thank you, Resolution Radio. Now's your chance to get the last of the Resolution Radio Blood Teens. Only a few left available before we try to do a reorder. This has been a high-selling item, and we really appreciate everyone's support in getting this shirt and showing their pride as well as showing their heritage. Nothing counts more than blood. Get yours today from Resolution Radio. Only $25 plus $5 shipping and handling. It really helps the network improve, and you really get a great product to showcase what you truly believe in. Nothing counts more than blood only from resolution radio at resolutionrdo.com send check money order or well-concealed cash to sunny thomas at p.o box 27 springboro ohio 45066 that's sunny thomas at p.o box 27 springboro ohio 45066 You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com
1: There is no reasonable level of anti-semitism.
2: The Nordic Resistance Movement are present. Comrades and welcome back to the Nordic Frontier. It is the final solution to your podcast problem. And you have arrived. It is Nordic Tears Day once again. We come to you live from the Piny Mountains of the Nordic Forests every Nordic Tears Day at 8 o'clock on Odyssey.com. And it is a National Socialist broadcast hosted by a member or two members of the Nordic Resistance Movement. And one of them is me, Andreas. And how are you, Mike? You lost it. Is Mike on? Ah, oh, God damn it. How are you, <laughs> Finur
3: As always, I'm glorious. Been been a good day. Been to the hot tub, been to the sauna, been to the freezing water. Got the dopamine levels up, like we talked about one day. Nice. Feeling good, feeling good.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I heard that you had some intense uh, domestic problems over there. <laughs> but uh, yes, you will survive. You will survive and thrive.
3: Yes, of course,
2: of course. Yeah, living in it's the. It's just it,
3: It's just some water water problems. We can fix the water problems, you know. At least yes. it's
2: not fire. Yeah. So. We need to fix the racial problem, racial uh, stranger problem and then the water exactly <laughs> we can use fire for that
3: actually if you know what i mean we can use <laughs> the
2: elements to our advantage that. indeed yes all right Mike uh, mike's might pop in at any time we'll see he's got some problems with his uh, access point. he's living in the stone age over there but we have a very special guest on the show that i wanted to have on for a very long time it is the host of Fash the Nation podcast, Jazz, Jazz Hans McFields. How are you doing?
4: Hello, hello. Thank you for having me on.
2: Yes, it's very nice to have you. And uh, yeah, we're going to do some office work here before we get into it. And then we're going to talk about uh, your journey and your podcast, your project, and maybe Jews might come up. We don't know. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> People in the chat, when we haven't spoken about Jews for half an hour, go crazy.
5: Yeah. So, of, yeah. All
2: right, so I just wanted to remind people that you can donate to the show. And I also want to apologize for the few people that donated late last week that I didn't mention. But you're going to get a mention now. So there was Lars. We had Peter Gibbons. We had Der Schödersker. We had Scaredy Cat. We have Anon. And we have Foyer Waffe. Very nice indeed. You get one of these.
4: May the blessing of tear be upon you.
2: And if you want to donate to the show, you can do so through odyssey.com. If you register a user and you can donate with your credit or debit card. And during the show, you can send in comments, maybe some questions for jazz hands so that you can, uh, yeah, whatever is on your mind, as long as there's money on your mind, then we'll take it. (laughs) And uh, you can also donate with cash. If you go to nordicresistancemovement.org and click on the donation tab there, you find the address and you can send cash in the mail. And if you make it a Swedish master race currency, you also get the special soundbite. Alright, so it is episode 253. Tonight we're going to talk to jazz hands. Uh, it has been an intense week and I wish that Mike was here because I had a topic, but he's not here. But I had some Karelian pierogi. If people know what pierogi is, it's like a pastry, pastry thing. Uh, And this Karelian pierogi is, um, I want to say, pierogi, is uh, like uh, rice pudding, but it's not sweet. So you have the pastry around rice pudding that's uh, well not sweet, and then you have cheese butter no wait wait sorry egg butter
3: egg butter it. exactly yeah. Egg butter. Yeah. yeah yeah
2: and that was new to me it was good stuff and uh it's delicious man Bro, well, so good. yeah and the Big person man. that that gave it to me said that obviously back in the day they didn't make it with rice because there were no chinese people then so they only yeah. had potato <laughs> yeah oh of course so
3: it actually
4: it actually depended on what region you were from, uh what what it's filled with and yeah. what you had available. So you can so tell they, a lot about uh where a person's from by what their family recipe is for pierogi, like which which side of uh the Slavic universe they might have originated from.
2: Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Because 'Cause I've had the pirogue like normal pirogue. Like you you have these cheap, shitty microwave pirogues you can buy. <laughs> You know, like Mrs.
4: T's they yeah. in
2: America, they're so garbage. Yeah. We have something called Gorbis, I think it uh, might be Swedish, not sure. But uh, well, it's supposed to imitate uh, like this bog standard pierogi with uh, mince in it, like mince mm. sauce. It's yeah. kind of like a pie. So, um, it was different, but uh, it was very interesting tasting that.
4: Yeah, a really good way to have those if you've never had them this way is uh, fried in onions. Uh, you fry some onions until they caramelize and then uh, pierogies are boiled until they're kind of soft and then you fry them in the butter with the onions and uh, sour cream and uh, typically applesauce and a beer. And that is like a really good meal,
3: especially on a cold day. Well, I'm hungry now, man. I'm hungry.
2: Yeah, we have to shut this down. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's quit. <laughs> Thank you for the talk. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, well, that's all I had for the small talk. So I guess uh, we'll run a little jingle Uh. here and uh, we'll be back.
3: Hello, this is Mark Collett from Patriotic Alternative. And you are listening to the Nordic Frontier. The solution to your podcast problem. The solution to your podcast problem.
1: Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The calm before the storm. By a friend of Mejigoria. The strategy of heaven revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The calm before the storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205 You're listening
0: to Resolution Radio Radio Radio. ResolutionRDO.com.
5: When a beer commercial everyone's happy and they're jumping around in there or whatever. The thing is, is they not only have appealing activities, they have appealing people out there too. You know, you see beer commercials and it's done with natural water and it's cold brewed
0: or heat pasteurized and all that kind of stuff. They make it sound more like a health food almost, but they never show the hangovers or alcoholism or anything like that.
4: And then in reality, you're happy, and then you're vomiting in the bathroom, and then you're waking up sick the next morning with a really bad headache. Any person that says that, that beer
2: is merely for recreational use is stupid because it's a form of alcohol.
5: They just want your money. It's the people that sell the product that are getting the most out of it, not the people that use it.
2: That's exactly what they're doing.
4: They're all sell our beer, and it doesn't matter what it takes, just sell it.
5: No, they're not honest messages. They don't
0: show the flip side of it, the results of alcohol.
4: A public service message from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints.
2: You're
0: listening to Resolution Radio, 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 resolutionrdo.com.
2: All right, we're going to get into it. And tonight, yes, we have Jazz and McFeels. He is the host of Fashionation podcast that has uh, been around for a while. It has; It is known for its uh, consistent uh, production quality and very high-tempo, maximum-packed episodes, I would say. That's how I uh, see it anyway. And to, to kick off... Uh, the conversation i was going to get straight into the hot topics you know there's a lot of issues that divide white people i'm sure you're aware of this and uh, yes. you know they they like to put those out into the ether to make people argue and you know eventually they'll start dividing themselves and one of these issues came up the other week and i think i know the answer to this but uh, it's a very controversial question do you condone nationalist rap? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: well, um, on, the, on the way home from the last NJP uh, in, uh, in, in the United States, uh, it was, I'm trying to remember who all was in the car, it was Mike, me, uh, Greg Conti, Michael McKivitt, most of the committee. Uh, and we pulled up, I forget which website, but there's a website out there that collects all of the the kind of alt-right, dissident-right music. And we were listening to some of the very best uh, nationalist rap from around the world. And uh, mm-hmm. at a very high volume with the windows down. And uh, like, like it was, you know, the mid-90s and you just got your first uh, Notorious B.I.G. album or something. Um, everybody was enjoying it, maybe because of the age group. Uh, but I, I prefer our own uh, music. So um, that I can tolerate anything Uh with didn't do No, thank you.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like uh, I'm a very progressive national socialist. So I like to see where things are going, look at the trends where people are and, you know, what's going to attract people. And there's definitely a trend among nationalists to rap. But the question then, is it adapting Nibba culture and literally becoming who we are trying to send home to Africa, or mm. is it something of our own that we're creating here? And uh, the thing is, I'm I'm addicted to beats and deep bass, so I always mm-hmm. like the music. I can I can be without the rapping, but if it's white people rapping about white people shit, I don't mind it. You know, it's like yeah. black people uh, rapping about killing each other. You know. Or killing their enemy let's just say like that there's nothing wrong with white people rapping about killing our enemies that's uh definitely you know high energy it's high testo it is aggressive uh, i think that's good and uh, i also can't stand the uh, the like rac if you're familiar with that and uh, the skinhead mm-hmm. uh, punk music I've always detested it. And I know that's very controversial, but I say it on this podcast all the time so that people are not shocked when I say it because uh, people feel very strongly about that too.
4: I've always been, you know, I I play music, I enjoy music. Um, and so it's really hard for me to find a genre that I don't like. Um, mm-hmm. I even You'll even catch me getting into like, classical music uh for a long time in the winter sometimes um so as long as it's performed by by white people it's enjoyable and i've always kind of felt that way even before i kind of got really woke on white nationalism um but i do see what you're saying with the the white rap um the the problem is like even in high school i went through like a a wigger phase mainly because I came of age when Eminem and a lot of that, which was targeted mm. at making whites into wiggers. Yeah. Um, and then, but very quickly passed through that. And cause I, I was in a rock phase before that. Um, and then very, very briefly because of that was popular and then shifted back. Um, and it's really because there was nothing there for me it, it, There it wasn't, you know, it didn't hit you in kind of the depth of, uh, of what you were looking for. And it, but I do like the beats and I've always, I, I would say uh, I'll admit this. I, I've always liked EDM and um, all flavors of electronic dance music. And until recently, that was uh, still a very white profession. Even mm. most of the DJs are still pretty white, like Arm yeah. and, and 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 so on, but it's slowly they're shoehorning blacks into that genre. And as they've done so, the music has gotten awful. It becomes more ass jiggling jungle beats and less like white yes. people trance. And it's uh, it's just awful.
2: Yeah. I, I listen to a lot of house music and like deep mm-hmm. house. And I can just notice when they put those fucking drums in there, I'm like, this is too tropical for me. Get the shit out of <laughs> <Yes>. here. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> and it's interesting because uh, I, uh, I watch a lot of... Uh, Audio tutorials like FL Studio stuff by learning different uh, plugins and stuff. And there's a lot of black people on YouTube doing tutorials, like it's packed. And I'm just, I'm just, um, I've been saying this too about my music making is that it, they have made it so easy for people to make decent music that even I am making music. Like it's, you can start off uh, in a day, just watch a few YouTube clips and you're a musician. And I'm thinking that's what's happening to a lot of black people, is that the easy access to this uh, technology made by white people has made them able to do this. It's the same thing with the instruments. Like These people (laughs) didn't have these instruments, and all of a sudden they're like uh, these jazz musicians and stuff. Uh, It's like everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. They would never have done it. It's like the
4: '90s, '90s and early 2000s. If you are walking around New York City, you'd have some black standing in the corner saying, "Like, hey yo, you want to buy my mixtape?" And that was kind of it. But now it's been democratized and it's all over the internet. And it's just like the "Hey yo, let me buy. Can you want to buy my mixtape, guys?" Like just, just like littered everywhere. Um, mm. And it's and it's forced too. Just like. You know, the algorithms on Twitter and other platforms prevent us from speaking truth to power to Jews or about our politics. And similarly, they control the, the algorithms that allow music to be put out there. And they've talked about this. The Jews have said very specifically, uh, we're only going to invest in and sign contracts with black artists this year, quote unquote, to correct the inequity. Mm. And it's like, but what white artists are you promoting? And the answer's none. It's like nobody. Just the death of creativity coincides with the scourge of, like, blackness in music. And it's all, you know, everybody, if you talk to a normal person and say, how do you, do you feel like music was better 10 years ago? And it felt like there was exciting new stuff coming out all the time. And now it's just, it's just garbage. At least Mm -hmm. in the mainstream, you can find indie stuff. It's true. It's all, it's like the end of history, but for music too.
2: Yeah, it's the same with Hollywood. It's completely dead. So, but it's interesting yeah. that thing it's, about it. It's
3: what they said about wasn't that uh, the father and JP, we spoke about the December address. They said that if we would you know, close Facebook, drop, ban social media from our societies, in one month we would see everybody become so creative and good again because we would not be hanging yeah. out getting our dopamine releases from you know, Facebook. Instead, we are getting it from actually interacting with our people. 1000% agree. If they shut down
4: yeah. if they shut down social media, you would have like a renaissance period at least in white yes. countries from white people. Yes, defi- um, definitely, you've definitely. never seen before. Yeah. It would be amazing.
3: Yeah.
2: <sighs> yeah. But it is interesting that thing about equity. Like they've moved away from um, from equality. Like the thing is we we always had equality. Everyone had equal opportunities to you know achieve things I guess not but we've had that for a while now anyway and, th- and the funny thing is in Sweden for example we have equality among the sexes or between the sexes and it just ended up uh, with more female nurses and four more female teachers because they had mm-hmm. the opportunity to do what they wanted to do and that's what they ended up doing you know. and now mm-hmm. but,
3: but, but that's what they've always done if you look at the like US it, that... If, but if you look at society, like one one hundred thousand years ago, one okay, let's say two thousand years ago, we had women that were socially interactive among society, mm. and we had men creating the houses, building things, engineering. Mm. So, so society has only evolved into being more technologically advanced, but socially, it's still the same hierarchy.
2: Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. It is because they
4: gravitate toward those kind of um, those kind of roles, and what's funny is they they think that they're going to be a teacher, a veterinarian, or like whatever, because. I want to be around kids or I want to be around puppies. And then they realize that that's not actually what they want to do. And by the time they realize that they haven't found a husband, it's almost too late to have children and they end up depressed and on meds. And it's like, I mean, it's almost like it's planned to be that way.
2: Yeah, that's right. It's just, uh, yeah. So in Sweden, when they were given the equal opportunity, they chose to go back uh, to their roots but at the same time, they're really trying to squeeze women into every single pocket of industry right now. Like, women can just walk into any interview and get any job, which is crazy. But I'm just thinking with this equity. Have- yeah. Go well. on. No. Uh, I'm oh, just think- I think you might have dropped. Oh, Jesus. I'm just thinking about this equity thing. Is that that uh, instead of equal opportunity, you have equal outcome, basically. So then you have to handicap one part, or like you would have to work and get paid, and the person next to you, which is black, doesn't have to work and he gets paid at the same time which we've been doing for a while now i guess with all the benefits but you know it's just going to be on the books now it's just going to be out in the open this is how it is
4: the, the, the evil with equity too is that uh the jews get to create whatever definition of um inequity that they want so if if they say that you know we as white people had it so good even if that's not true economically today, as you, you know, everybody's living paycheck to paycheck and things aren't going so well, especially in America. But they can say, but, you know, white people live the life of millionaires and they've been getting every chance as possible. So we're going to just give that to black people and not white people anymore. And it's like, well, but you're starting from a baseline about how I live my life that is is based on bullshit so that you can essentially give blacks whatever they want. It's not fair. It's not. It's not equitable. It's just It's essentially wealth transfer from one group to the other, uh, which is ultimately genocide because you see the suicide rates in America going up and it's the number one cause is is deaths of despair, Mm. no job, no prospects, drug addiction and so on. So it's like the the argument that white genocide is some sort of uh, some sort of myth or conspiracy theory. It's like, no, it's directly uh, contributable to their policies.
2: Yeah they're creating the environment that they live in which makes them depressed and then they give them the opiates to to make them feel better for a while and then they get addicted yeah. and then they kill themselves
4: but i don't mean to be so black let me let me because i i don't want to sound so morose and look how horrible it is yeah but we can good finish news. on the
2: high note we can start here yeah, <laughs> yeah the, good the good the good the good, news <laughs> is, the
4: good news is is that people are waking up to this and if you tell people What's what's BlackRock or what's opioids? Who are the Sacklers? Mm. Uh, I mean, you guys saw that report on anti-Semitism in America from the ADL saying that 85% of Americans believe in at least one anti-Semitic trope. They call them tropes, but one anti-Semitic truth, we'll say, um, which is just up quadruple uh, from 10 or 15 years ago. So mm. whatever we're doing is working.
1: We also have anti-Semitism.
2: That's right. <laughs> I have plenty. And uh, yeah, so the real start. Then my first question would be to you: How did it start for you politically? Like before you found or started uh, Nation, where were you politically, and how did you find your way there?
4: Uh, so I guess I got politically interested um, from seeing. I couldn't. I can't remember because it was so young uh either seeing the state of the union or election coverage on cable television probably in the late 1980s early 1990s um and i and i do remember uh vividly understanding and i don't know why i remember this but finding a penny on the ground in the library parking lot walking with my mother and i picked up the penny and i asked her well who's this man in the penny and she said that's abraham lincoln who's that um he's one of the presidents who's what's a president and it sort of started to, to sort of dawn on me, OK, there's a leader of the country and then you see things on TV. And uh, because cable news has always been kind of hyped, um, even back then, uh, you know, it, it seems exciting as a, as a kid glowing television screen. You're looking at these people talking about things. Uh, you see balloons falling from ceilings, confetti, people giving speeches. Um, it's a different kind of programming on the TV than cartoons or other things. So I just started paying attention to it. Maybe there are other kids who would look at that and be like, I'm going outside Um, for whatever reason I'm wired to get interested in that. And uh, I come from a family that predominantly for a long period of time was Democrats, Um, liberal Democrats. uh, But, you know, recently, but, you know, um, supporting of uh, George Wallace uh, in the 1960s and seventies in America, who was a, who was a segregationist. Uh, and then they switched parties when the Democratic Party kind of purged a lot of the white, um, the white supporters who were for segregation. There's a little bit of a polarity switch. Um, and so, you know, I, I gravitated toward uh, conservative politics as I sort of came of age, you know, 11, 12, something like that, uh, because Democratic politics, um, it was, you know, Bill Clinton. Um, but there really wasn't there never really felt like there was much for me. It was just that if you were against immigration and you were against, um, you know, it feels good to get the government out of my life and whatever, when you're young, um, you're for those things that, that was kind of what I gravitated towards. And so, um, just kind of, but again, like sort of lukewarm support for whatever. And, and by the time I was eligible to vote, you know, George W. Bush was the president and the war in Iraq was going on. And that's when my, my mind started to turn toward um, the levels of corruption. Because if you remember that period of political history, uh, George Bush's presidency started with the culmination of Bill Clinton uh, getting his dick sucked in the White House by Monica Lewinsky and that huge scandal mm. there. So it's like, I don't trust politicians. And then you have George Bush takes us into war. You have this huge uh, terrorist attack that I now understand is perpetrated by Israel. Um, and, uh, you end up at this war. A lot of your friends go off and die in that war and your, your mind about like the bright sunny future and shining city on a hill in America becomes pretty tainted, uh, with your friends coming home in coffins, um, or missing arms and legs. And so, uh, I, I continued to support kind of Republican party politics and even gotten got involved, um, you know, on, on campaigns and, you know, learn, learned the ropes, what's it all about? And so on. Um, And got into, got into politics in DC. And what I discovered there was I thought that the first, like Mr. Smith goes to Washington, which is a story written by a Jew, but uh, it's sort of to convince people that there's something real In politics, like if you fight hard enough, the system will bend to your will. It's like the Jewish story of Mr. Smith as Mm well. And I got to Washington thinking that the higher I go, just like Mr. Smith, I'll just eventually be able to convince people, like, if I really want these things like immigration to come true, which never seem to come true, it means that we're not fighting hard enough and you just have to go fight for this stuff. And what you realize when you get to a cesspit like D.C. is... I remember the first time I, I told somebody that had been in DC for a while that, Hey, I want to, I want to really fight for these issues. And they sort of like hand waved me and they're like, yeah, yeah, guy. Um, we're just essentially, we're, we're about getting this guy reelected. We're about raising money and we're about like perpetuating the system. And we don't want uh, people who have all these crazy ideas from the outside interfering with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I ran into that attitude over and over and over again on Capitol Hill and in and out of bars and all over the place is that none of these people care about the actual issues that they're talking about on TV and they don't care about, uh, accomplishing anything. It's only essentially what K street lobbyists want. Um, and, and the other thing I learned was that there's really not much of a difference between the Republican and the democratic party. And it's not just behind the scenes, what those people care about. It's it's also about the all of the uh, economic system that is there in D.C. that supports it, like all of the apparatus that runs the campaigns, all of the you know people that print mailers that go out, all of the whatever, just all the consulting that goes into this. Those consulting companies don't only work for Democrats or only work for Republicans; they work for both. Mm. And it's all it's all the whole system is predicated on its own survival. And then you find out about Jews and so on and so forth. And then you are like, just absolutely get me out of this system. Um, And you realize it all starts to click together. Why are the parties indistinguishable from each other behind the scenes? Why do they put on this show on the television for everybody else? Um, Who are the people really involved with providing the money? Um, And who do they answer to? And uh, then you just realize that you can't go into that system into one of those parties and try to, to change it from the inside out. And so, um, I was looking for something different, got completely out of politics. And, uh, I had a friend of mine, the original co-host of Fashionation, uh, Marcus Halvestran, um, who said in 2014, I think said, Hey guy, you should check out the right stuff that days. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, tedious had just started their, The Daily Show had just started their podcast uh, that year and they just had a handful of articles. And I read a couple of the articles and I was like, I felt like I found my home because my whole life, you're talking in dog whistles and bending yourself into contortions to try to explain what kind of politics you would really want. It's always a compromise if you're trying to be a Democrat or Republican. And Tedious. I don't remember what the articles were exactly, but they were talking about white people explicitly. They were talking about Jews explicitly and what's bad for whites and good for whites and so on. And, and nobody talks in those terms ever in America, ever. And so it was just, OK, this is what I want. And anything else is, that's, that's trying to pitch me something else is not sincere. So um, that's kind of like the political journey uh, that, that I went on.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. What what I do remember from uh, when I started listening to Fascination was uh, you were following the Trump election quite uh, closely. So what was it about Trump that uh, made you interested now that you were disillusioned by politics? What made him different?
4: So 2012, when uh, they... Because Trump teased a run in 2012, and I didn't take him seriously then. And the way that he teased the run was... Um, uh, He ran on the issue of just trolling uh, Obama, who was president at the time, about not being born in America and made the birther issue this issue that would tap into um, the the right wing electorates, like baser racial instincts like this guy wasn't born in America. He's not the real president. Um, And and all of that. Uh, And but ultimately, Trump bowed aside for Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan. And this was after the party had put John McCain and all these other, it's like just another one shit show after the other. And, but, but even then I didn't, you know, even though I thought the birther issue was funny and even possible that Obama, maybe Brian wasn't even born in America. Don't really know. um, Trump, I just was like, okay. I mean, what else has this guy had to offer? Trump was kind of like a cartoonish clown figure and not because I like Paul Ryan or Mitt Romney when they got nominated, I said, I'm, I'm done with this forever. And I actually became apolitical until Haber told me to check out CRS. Hmm. And so it was when Trump got back into the race and the issue wasn't about Obama. It was about the upsurge in illegal immigration uh, that had taken hold and then combined with everything that was going on in Europe with, uh, with open gates, which you guys probably remember when that movie came out. Um, and uh, talking about the migrant uh, flood. And you had this awakening in Europe with nationalist politics. I mean, they were always there, but they kind of exploded at the same time that they did in America. And it was when Trump came down the escalator, and then he kept going with this rhetoric, that it wasn't that we became Republicans again. It's like, let's see what this guy will do, because he was... He was pretty – the thing I liked the most about Trump, aside from the immigration rhetoric, and I think the reason why I signed on for, for supporting his campaign, was because he trashed all of the people in the Republican Party that I hated. First and foremost, Jeb, Jeb Bush, um, mm. and then Marco Rubio, <laughs> and just, just one after the other. And then Mitt Romney, he choked like a dog. It's like, I hate all these people. This is great. Um, and I think that's probably what invigorated the party because – Everybody in the party hated those people, too. They just had no other choice because you're always told it's going to be a fundamental change in our country. This is the election that matters more than any other in our lives. And Mm. if you don't like Hillary Clinton, then vote for this shit stick uh, over here. And that's what people always do. And I was tired of it. But Trump, it's like he's going to thunderstrike all these people. And Jeb Bush spent a billion dollars on his campaign and could not win. What does that tell you about Jewish money? Let's do this thing.
2: So, yeah, yeah. So knowing all that, uh, do you think that it was genuine or do you think the whole thing was just a grift?
4: Uh, I think, I think he found a way to get himself power. And the plan was, um, I think the plan was to do some of the immigration stuff um because the the they, they obviously spent the time writing these executive orders that got thrown out but um because he essentially took out a loan to become president if you think about it all the Jews that funded his campaign he took out a loan and the terms of the loan were you're going to do tax reform first and foremost hmm. and so he he paid off the loan and then focused on immigration and then just got just got thoroughly destroyed and they came after his presidency and whatever i think He genuinely was some sort of a Sivnat, but a philo-Semitic one, a decidedly philo-Semitic one, and was only going to to pursue immigration policies that would have been acceptable to Jignat, like right-wing Benjamin Netanyahu-aligned Jews, which in the end turned out to be like, uh, we want very high-skilled people into our country. We're going to build a big wall, but with a giant door in the center for whoever wants to come in. And that was... (laughs) not, not what we asked for. Um, And, uh, but also, but also he couldn't get it done. And so that, that like ultimately, and then, then you get the black uh, platinum plan. And in the midst of all this, he fires all these missiles into Syria and then starts the process of uh, normalization for all these Arabic countries uh, to build uh, their, their embassies, move their embassies to Jerusalem. And it just became such a hyper Zio focus. And it's like, You just after after he opened the government back up, when he shut shut it down to try to get the wall money. And uh, we did a lot of research on our show into the specific black letter U.S. law that Donald Trump could have used to get access to unlimited money without congressional approval to build the wall. And he refused to do it. And people at the time were like, that sounds like too pie in the sky, like too easy to do. People didn't believe the research that we did. what's great about this is that under Biden, Biden invoked the same law, which had not been invoked since the 1950s, to get unlimited funding for the COVID stuff. And it was literally the same thing, bypass Congress, declare emergency, and had no check on the amount of money that he needed to do. So um, the point is, you know, if, if somebody in America became president, it shows you that there are a lot of things that you could do immediately without Congress to do things that we want within the mm-hmm. law, like within the actual law as it is written. Now we want to change a hell of a lot more than what the, the law is written, but it just proved when, when you saw that they could have done this and they didn't do it, mm-hmm. then everything was fake. Like everything was fake, the shutdown and everything like, Oh, we have to work within these parameters and we can only get this amount of money. And then they haggle over a hundred million dollars. It's like, fuck you. You give $44 billion to Zelensky. You give all this money to these people. You have no problem. But like $5 billion for a wallet. Come on, man. And you could go get the money if you absolutely needed it. We had caravans streaming across the border and, mm. you know, like the heads on spikes on the border with the cartels. It's a like, go to war with the cartels, guy. Because if those, mm. if those were Palestinians like um, burning down synagogues on the U.S. border, let me tell you, the U.S. military would be there in 30 seconds. Yeah, but because it's brown people coming in to, to de- depress the wages of working class whites in America, the government just sleeps anyway. I got myself angry. So <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah, I
2: think he gave like five billion to blacks as well. Some sort of black program yeah. as and a down
1: payment on all the all the horrible things we've got. Yeah, he like. just here's a
2: few billions, whatever. And then you uh, do a good Trump, man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he, he's been practicing <laughs> Pretty for <good>. years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this fucking guy. No, what really pissed me off about Trump, actually, above everything else, is how he pissed in the face of all the MAGA people, all these yes. re- retarded MAGA boomers that are just worshiping this guy, and he just pisses on them all the time. Takes every opportunity not to support them, whatever they do. Like it's it started in on the inauguration day. If you remember all the violence that was there. It's like 200 Antifa something arrested and all that stuff. And they were all let go and uh, there was never any mention from Trump how horrible that was. And it just continues to January 6th where he could have uh, pardoned all those people and he pardons all these NIBA rappers Hindus. instead like <laughs> drug dealers yes. and Jews it's crazy yeah the, the
4: first the first step act you know authored and uh, presided over by jared kushner trump supported of course uh, let all these people out of jail um you had a guy uh the guy that was sitting in the chair in i think nancy pelosi's office uh, yes yeah, okay. gentleman uh received a life sentence um yesterday uh he was beaten what? and tortured so bad oh yeah he um, received a life sentence yesterday. He was beaten and tortured in prison. U.S. prison, right? This is America, like the, the bastion of human rights on the planet, right? They beat and tortured this guy so badly that they had to send him home. Fuck fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
4: oh yeah, fuck yeah, as they, as they waterboard this guy in the basement of oh. some D.C. prison. Uh, they put him on house arrest so that he could get medical care. Um, and one of the African guards uh, that was at his home uh, threatened to rape his wife. Um, oh, this is from so fucking. Radix, Radixverum. And then there were four other guys that were sentenced for seditious con- conspiracy. Uh, yesterday, Max sentence of 20 years in prison. Where's the seditious conspiracy charges for um, Richard Sackler for killing a million people on opioids? Or is mm-hmm.
2: that? Yeah. But
4: Donald Trump doesn't say a word. He doesn't say a word about Ashley Babbitt being uh, assassinated in cold blood by a black. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, no work, nothing, not even, not even, you know, and, and, and that was the other thing. If, if the shutdown and not building the wall didn't do it for you, then the remaining 20 days or whatever, no, 14 days, if it's January 6th and he's out on the 20th, 14 days of Donald Trump's presidency, where he could have given a blanket pardon to all of the people who participated, but instead went down the list. Uh, Jared Kushner's wish list and pardon mm. uh, dozens of of criminal, disgusting criminal Jews, and and pardon Steve Bannon, whose crime was raising money for We Build the Wall and then basically taking all the money for himself. Mm. So literally, the guy that was raising <laughs> millions of dollars to build the wall in a private fund took all the money for himself, got charged, and Trump pardons that guy. They're yeah. not these people that are serving prison sentences.
2: Just so. make sure to give justice to the the least, uh, you know, worthy people. That's what he tried mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, that's quite a legacy. I guess he's running again for, where is it, 2024? Is that what we're doing?
4: Yeah, he looks so old and haggard too. Um, yeah, he's low energy now.
2: Campaign.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It will be. Although I'm glad that he's doing it because uh, because he's going to cause a problem for Desantis. Although who knows that it could be part of the system's plan to have them both out there. I don't really know, but I think given what the system has tried to do to Trump, um, some people might misread that as like, well, if the system is against Trump, then Trump must be good. It's yeah, like yeah, no, it's the system quick... tr- the system wants Ron DeSantis, and they don't want Donald Trump to interfere with that. Um, but, if it was between Trump and another Hitler, they would put Trump in office without no. even blinking an
2: eye but that's that's what always perplexed me because I never trust the media, you know, and the me I always do the opposite of what the media does, which is just Definitely. a simplified a you know it's <laughs> it's not a hundred percent, but I mean, if I'm not really paying attention. I can go with my gut and just not trust the media. Just do the opposite. It's a, it's a pretty and, reliable yeah. way to... Yeah. And during the, the Trump presidency, obviously, all the mainstream media hated him. You should just feel the vitriol that the general Swede has for Trump. Like, Swedish people oh, hate I'm Donald kidding. Trump now. Like, he was everybody's darling, like, in the 90s and, you know, growing up. Like, he was a famous guy. He was in Home Alone, there in the lobby. Mm-hmm. You know, so all of a sudden the media says that everyone should hate Trump. You know, and then the the knee jerk reaction then is to, you know, like Trump. Like I never liked Trump because of, yeah, these things that we mentioned, and always very skeptical. But uh, it's always like that when when the media plays that card, and it, it is, I don't know. What do you think the reason is why they did that? Because it kind of uh, made the dissent grow, I guess.
4: Well, they did it because it's kind of like one of these situations where um, the the cure was worse than the disease uh, because they, they tried to stop him because, I mean, people can say what they want about Trump um, and, you know, he was not genuine in the end and, and, and all of that, but the thing that he did that they didn't like and they tried to stop them and the reason why they went to Santa's back in um, was also something that we we all benefited from which is that the what we have been calling thinkle think which Mm -hmm. is this kosher sandwich or essentially a Jewish dichotomy where you create two fake arguments and split the issues between the two of them and make it uh, make the debate only between those two polarities. And then there's no room for someone to have an actual conversation. So if you have conservatives and and uh, Democrats or labor Democrats or social Democrats or whatever it is in Europe, whatever it is in the U S then there's no room for national socialism because they divided nationalism and socialism between the two parties. Yeah. And so um, because of that system, it, it only really, it's only stable if they keep, the issue is pretty narrow within those two poles. You can't have the type of polarity, uh, polarization, not polarity, pol- polarization that's happening today, and it's happening in Europe. It's happening in the United States. Essentially, where um, it's the the sort of far right and far left, as the media calls them, uh, those positions have become more. Uh, people have shifted further and further away from the center, and uh, that's that leads to a an unstable system for Jews and. And I think they were already kind of in a precarious position, which is why they kept trying to put people like Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan and try to reel things back in. Um, the combination of the, the internet and really freedom of information for a while, like the wild, wild west that the internet was back then, mm-hmm. um, it, 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 it allowed for a lot more uh, room to go directly to the people, which is what Trump did. Um, 10 years before Trump ran in 2016, remember Obama's campaign was one of the first in 2007 to use Twitter. seems like a novel concept, but it was the first time Twitter had ever really been used. Facebook had only been around since 2004. Twitter came not that long after. So they always heralded, uh, Obama's campaign as a digital frontier in politics. Mm. So all that said, Trump had all these new sort of avenues to go directly to people, um, that, that, uh, that allowed him to to really cut through all of the issues. He had Arthur Finkelstein working for his campaign. So he had access to polling and he looked at issues that were going to, it's like, what, what does the Republican party leave on the table that if I use, I'm going to essentially sound genuine and I'm going to go directly to people. Let me talk to people in the way that they've never been talked to before. And by doing that, even, even if it was, um, you know, these drug dealers and rapists are doing crime. Nobody wants them here to build a wall to port them all. It, it, it awakened this kind of nativist uh, feeling in white people um, to the point where, and I'll just illustrate it with this anecdote, to the point where my own uh, father, and uh, I would say it was right around the peak of Trump before he started to become really gay. So like 2017, 2018, when he still had to say after Charlottesville, very fine people on both sides. Yeah, he was forced right. to do that to retain his white support. Yeah. My father one day said to me, um, and this is with all the black crime and the buildings burning down in Baltimore on fire and He said to me, he's like, you know, I hate to say this because I don't want this to sound racist because, you know, all the programming that goes in with boomers. Um, but I really think that our country would be much better off if it was only people like you and me. And it, just white people. And I'm not sure what the solution is for anybody else, but we just can't keep living like this. And I thought to myself, it's like, you know, I've I've obviously pushed my father on some of these issues over the years, but I I said to myself, it's like Trumpism actually made my father a white nationalist and combination with Tucker Carlson and all that stuff. And I think that scared the absolute shit out of Jews. Um, It's one of the reasons why Trump's rhetoric changed because I think they realized in a lot of private polling that this is really, if my father was there, this is where a lot of Americans were without much help from anybody else. Um, And it was that Trump essentially played with the dark arts of politics, the places that Jews don't want you to go, because it becomes a very slippery slope into Nazism and National Socialism. They've been complaining about that for years, but it really is true, because if you give white people a political path, a viable political path, like, hey, white people, you have, you have a right to exist in your own country. You should stand up for yourselves. Then whites are going to stand up and start asking what kind of problems should we solve? Because that's what yeah. white people do, right? We have problems. Yeah. Let's solve them. Let's solve them efficiently. And what's the biggest problem that we have collectively? So it's, it's like Jews are like, just don't talk about our problems. Pretend like the government's gridlocked which they're doing now. And so, yeah, that's kind of a long roundabout answer, but that's why they hate Trump. That's why they've stopped him. And it's it's mixed in with like, even if he comes out and says, I'm a Zionist, I do so much for Israel. I love Jews. He, he is somebody who is unpredictable. They don't control and erratic, and he'll do kind of whatever will get him the most power and clout. And even if that means like taking risks with the white population and... Uh, there's a story in I think Jared Kushner's book where he said he went to his first Trump rally and he peeked out from behind the curtain before Trump went on the stage and saw the stadium just filled with like whites with their MAGA flags and was Mm -hmm. all white people. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, Trump MAGA America. And it scared the absolute fucking shit out of Jared Kushner. Um, And it probably terrifies any Jew who would be sitting there seeing that scene. And they thought to themselves combined with rhetoric and combined with the polling data, that they were like, this is uncomfortably close to, for these people. Because what would it have taken for a leader with that power to just simply start talking about those issues? Trump was never going to do it. But just think from the Jews' perspective, how close he had these like big rallies. And if he had just started taking in one speech, he could have taken those people down that path. And I'm not saying that because I had hoped that he would do it. I'm just illustrating the point yeah. that this was like the fight like it's like the Jews like lit a fire in their living room. It's like the, the building's going to fucking burn <laughs> down. Right. Here, so. See what happens.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah that, that's true. And I think maybe you didn't believe it, but a lot of people were hoping for it. They were hoping yes. that uh, he would take the next step. Like the last ad he had before the election was like him. Is someone playing music. Can turn my oh, name.
4: Oh, sorry. It's a. I'll, I'll mute
2: it. Is that like a trimmer? Is
4: yeah, it's a gardening? trimmer.
2: That's <laughs> a trimmer, yeah. Is it muted? No, it's pretty loud. Oh, sorry. I was muted. It's a working man's nice <laughs> podcast, after all. We, we enjoy the uh, Yeah. <laughs> uh,
4: it's.
2: Yeah, I think you're completely muted now.
4: Uh, well, yes, I muted it. So unless you wanted, <laughs> the, you unless you wanted the, the, the I don't know. I like the, the ASMR. The uh, yeah, the, the a-
2: ambience. The ambience is uh, <laughs> bringing the mood. Yeah. So, yeah, I think a lot of people were hoping that he would take the next step. And one of the ads that he had before the election was li- literally him talking about wall street and the bankers and had like george soros and stuff in it i think that's what got our movement actually excited about trump (laughs) that that specific video i don't know if you remember that one but uh
4: Uh, yeah it was um i think i think what was the video again which one was it
2: it was like the, the ad. It was a short one, just before the election, like days before the election, where he was talking about Wall Street. There was like pictures of George Soros, and he was talking about the the capitalists, maybe something like that, the globalists, maybe even. Maybe, maybe did he say globalist? Yeah, maybe. But uh, yeah, it, it was very. Um, uh, anti-semitic <laughs> from our point of view anyway
4: did, did you lose me or are you able to hear me no no
2: now you're on your actual mic i thought you didn't have access yeah. to your mic
4: yeah nice. i'm sorry about the audio quality i i thought i was like how are they able to hear this trimmer because i have a pretty comprehensive uh, audio with a uh, gate i, 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 I like, didn't
2: want weird. to be rude and assume that you were booming that's what it was booming <laughs> I mean, yeah
4: i apologize and, 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 And it's a laptop that's not exactly that close to me either. So with like a bunch of shit stacked up on the desk. So I apologize if uh, you got potato yaz hands for the last uh, 60 minutes. But hopefully
2: it it sounds better now. I like it. Yeah. So to talk about the podcast. So you're in this, uh, you're getting in contact with the guys. Uh, What uh, made you decide to make a podcast? Was that something you thought about before? Uh well so
4: it, it it wasn't um although you know podcasting was something that i always had been interested in um it, it, as a as a consumer of podcasts um and you know in my kind of racist libertarian days uh there were a lot of podcasts available from you know like hans herman hoppe and some of these uh types of libertarians um that were available on itunes uh and and you could download and whatever and uh i just enjoyed it because uh you know there was talk rate conservative talk radio had already kind of like lost its appeal um and i wanted to like dive deeper into like historical subjects economic subjects and whatever so i was already kind of like in the groove of like you know podcasting as opposed to radio what's interesting is that you know mike uh i think a year into the daily show Mike said on his show that uh, he wanted to have more podcasts added to the site. So um, because it was Halberstram, he told me about the RedStuff.biz, right stuff and he and I, since he and I were the only ones that we knew of that were fans of this, um, I wasn't going to go talking to my friends about, you know, my new politi- my my new political religion where I don't like Jews. Um, I've never liked blacks, but I'm getting woke on these politics. And so Halberstram and I talked exclusively like, Uh, about reacting to the show because there was only once a week and they listen to it and be like, Oh, what'd you think of that? Oh, wow. This is, you know, and whatever. It's like a a period of discovery. And so when Mike put out that call for podcasts, we had already said, you know, it'd be kind of, you and me could probably just do this. And so we sat down on my back deck and uh, put up a, put up an iPhone on a glass of whiskey and uh, hit record and did a 45 minute show. And it was called, Cuxervative Insider was the first uh, name that we went with, but it was Fash the Nation uh, by the middle of the week. I was like, we have to come up with a new name. Because Cuxervative mm-hmm. was something that, you know, was an early proto-alt-right lexicon. And it's it's dead now, but Fash the Nation has just remained like a timeless uh, a timeless name. And then you have the show Face the Nation from America that, you know, we we sort of modeled ourselves after like a Sunday political talk show. And, uh, you know, uh, they put it up on the site. And I think our first episode got 3,000 downloads. And I was like, 3,000 people listen to this? We c- we have to stop recording this on an iPhone. <laughs> so, um, yeah. the, that was like very potato quality. And people who listen to the first episode, uh, you can hear all the crickets from the summertime in the background. Um, and it's like a hallmark. If people know about the crickets, I know they're longtime listeners of the show. Uh, so
2: yeah and it it just kind of took off from there but yeah it yeah, is nice if we started this podcast uh, like slightly after that I think and I always felt like uh, I wanted to do podcasts but I'm quite an introverted person so I had to yeah. struggle to become a host and to do all this stuff but you seem like a very you know extrovert high energy kind of person do you say
4: uh yes uh and I think as time has gone on it, definitely this kind of politics kind of invigorated being high energy um I feel like being being introduced to TRS and becoming j woke you know uh, Jews call it becoming radicalized but it's it's really just we're coming home mm. to where where we really belong we're becoming who heart. we
2: are right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> as well, someone I mean, famously like, said well,
4: yes, yeah. it's like insides match outsides, right? Like I don't have to be kind of like I'm going to support this GOP position because I think it's going to result in fewer brown people in my country and it never does. Mm. And now I can just say, get these people out of here and we're going to talk about Jews and everything else. There's no, there's no dog whistle. It's just you can just advocate for who you are and yeah. speak, to the, speak to the
2: power. So. Yeah, that's how I feel about being a part of our movement as well. Like, we don't dilly dally around the subjects. Like, for example, if you're talking to people, we do a lot of leafleting on, on the streets and stuff and talk to people. Mm-hmm. You never have to lie to them. <laughs> they might think they got you when they say, call you a racist or something. It's like, yeah, I want to live in a white country. You know, mm-hmm. wouldn't that be great in a white country? But, but that's, the, no, that, racist.
7: That's, okay. that's the well, beauty of it. Uh, yeah, Mike
2: is to... back by the way. Oh, hello Mike. Yeah.
7: Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I did some boomering. Uh for once it, it was me. Uh no, uh, I was going to say that that's the beauty of it. Uh the the being to the point and when somebody just says like oh, so you're a racist if you only think that we should be white people. Are you like the the satisfaction I get still today of just replying Okay. Just I'll okay. Set you free. Yeah, just like okay. Mm-hmm. So, what now? <laughs> and, and you can see how it breaks down their whole. It's like they have this pre pre programmed like this if this then that like response structure, so that they they have like okay I'm gonna pull the racist card and then uh, they're gonna say. No, I'm not racist, but and then they have like they have this, and then they suddenly have someone who says, Well, I guess I am. And then okay, so what? And it all breaks down, and it, it's so beautiful. And I still get such a kick out of it when, when it totally breaks their pre programmed existence <laughs> of just being purely honest and be like, No, put them on a boat, ship them back to where the fuck they came from. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. they'll say, Well, Maybe what if they suffer if they go back? I don't care. Mm. Not my problem. <laughs> it's like, and yeah. it, it, There's something very magical about it. The more people need to, to start doing it because you're missing out. You're really missing out of the it's a good time. enjoyment. Yeah, sure. it's a good time.
4: Yeah, I haven't even really thought much about until you just said that. It's kind of weird to consider what if... I hadn't been told about the red stuff that is where the, where, where would I be? Would I have eventually just stumbled into it on my own? Maybe, um, you know, I was always had the thirst for more. I know that, and mm. I was already done with conservative pol like retail politics, but, um, you just sort of wonder, can't imagine what it would be like to be somebody who's still asleep. Um, and I, and I say this a lot, but, you know, I'm sure that people that are, that are asleep are still angry. Like they see the world around them changing, But they just don't understand why they've been propagandized to avoid having to answer the question why and um it's got to be even more of a relief to to free those people they're trapped they're prisoners in the system
7: that's that's what they are and i think like you know we we've heard most people in these circles have have probably had a time where they're just too tired of all the politics and shit it's like Man, sometimes I just wish I was a normie and completely like, ignorant of the reality. But the thing is that most people were at some point, but they were walking around annoyed and irritated about things that they didn't know what caused it. And exactly. I'd, rather, yeah, so I'd rather be annoyed at things that I know which the true cause isn't. Because at least then I can speak about it and address it rather than just walking around like a zombie not knowing what the hell is bugging me.
4: It's extremely overwhelming for people to try to uh, have to wrap their head around all the things that are going on that are bad, um, and 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 you're even resistant to like, wait, it's all Jews. It's like yes, yeah, more or less. Um, always was. Always has
2: been. Always, so. always,
4: always, always <laughs> yeah. been. And, and but but like if you if if you if you deny that, then you're always trying to come up with these weird hypotheses for like why stuff is going wrong mm. and you're just going to get frustrated. It gives people, I think it gives people P- PTSD. And as Mike says frequently, um, the media makes people insane because they reinforce the fact that it's anything but what the answer really is. So. Yeah,
2: exactly. They make it so complicated. And that's, that's one of the th- hurdles we come up against as well when you talk to normies is that the, we, we see things in black and white, you know, literally, we're, we're white, mm-hmm. they're black, they belong in Africa, done. And they're like, no, but <laughs> there's all this white. nuance. It's like, we don't have to have nuance. We're, we're, no, <laughs> no one's telling there's only Jews that are telling us we need nuance. Like, we want to live yeah. in our own country.
7: I was actually talking with my wife about this, uh, this topic today about, you know, how much it annoys me when somebody comes and says, no, but it's not that black and white. But the thing is that <clears throat> obviously there are topics uh, where things aren't as black and white but in many 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 cases it is extremely black and white I like to give your your average like you know uh, example is like if you ask someone do you like this kind of food like, let's p- pretend it's potato. so do you like potatoes somebody says meh it's okay well that's mm-hmm. what they're actually saying is that they don't like it because if they like that they say I actually enjoy it. It's not the best thing, but I enjoy it. So, like, there is always a cutoff point in where it becomes bad, it becomes good. And, and and it feels like in society in general, especially in this culture of constant tolerance, uh, is that we need to always find these nuances, always find these perspectives, always find this... One we need angle. to find these 50 shades of gray. Yeah, 50, like some angle to understand whatever it is, is rather than just saying it. No, it's shit. It's complete yeah. idiot, like, completely stupid. I'm not going to engage in debating a person that is mentally retarded who thinks that they're born in the wrong gender. I'm just going to ignore yes. them. Why the fuck yeah. should I waste my time on that? Yeah. yeah. And then somebody goes, oh, no, but you need to think that they have feelings. they mm-hmm. so, like, yeah. No, like no. you know. So I, I don't. I don't, give, I don't give a shit about their feelings.
3: Yeah, but the, <laughs> yeah,
2: I the thing is, care. there's there's a, there's a clear rule there is that I'm not responsible for your feelings. Like yeah. if if we're going to consider feelings, we're never going to achieve anything because someone's always going to get upset. So you have to consider we're, your own feelings and you have to act accordingly. Well, I, I, oh, I, uh,
7: to give some nuance <laughs> <laughs> here, I, I would say that you know. When you're dealing with children, you need to consider their feelings, in a way, because they don't really understand the world they're living in. But I think that once you reach adulthood, after that, your feelings are your own fucking responsibility. Yep. And and, and sure. that's yeah. like, if a kid <laughs> gets angry because you're they're not getting candy every day, you're being, you're like, sorry, but you can't have it, doesn't matter if you're sad, and here's the reason why, you know? But for an adult, if they get annoyed because you use a term that is suddenly bad or something i don't care i don't I don't owe you an explanation I don't owe you anything. you just live with your triggered emotions, and off I go
4: yeah, it used to be accepted I mean that used to just be kind of the way that i mean that's just you know the natural uh conclusion of like. Evolu- thousands of years of evolution it's been hacked by jews and we even see it in america i was talking about this in telegram the other day where um it, it's just been a recent change but the first amendment in the united states has always been pretty absolute in terms of speech um and of course jews modified it in the uh in the 60s uh to uh allow um pornography and uh, other other garbage uh because Uh, originally free speech was essentially it wasn't it didn't mean anything it was freedom of political speech because that's what people thought was the most important they don't want freedom of jews to show you know like lewd pornography uh and things to children and everything else but jews got rid of the censorship piece and then uh then now what they're saying is that freedom of speech does not include speech that causes harm to people or physical violence or um incites violence and uh there there was a story in Michigan there's a guy that put up a nazi flag in front of his house and uh the mayor um came out and said that we uphold the constitution of the United States and free speech we are tolerant but free speech ends when the speech hurts people and we will not tolerate that but they can create whatever definition they want for hurt or hate or harm or incitement or whatever Um, To fit their definition. So uh, I don't think people are going to I don't think people are going to buy that. I was saying this the other day, like, they're going to try to modify free speech in America to just mean hate speech isn't allowed. But if people are already like, yeah, so what, call me a Nazi, call me a racist, whatever. I mean, they've already gone after old ladies who just don't like abortion, like pro-white Catholic old ladies Mm. um, who are advocating for this banned on social media. Like that's the level of like Jewish, like shut it down right now. So everybody feels like what they're doing is hate speech. If you ask like just somebody whose issue, their only issue is pro-life politics, they would say that I'm not allowed to speak out about this because it's called hate speech. Everybody understands what it means. It doesn't mean the Jewish question or the Jewish problem anymore. It means everything. So this is the problem that Jews created. They, they went so hard in, in
5: shutting it down mm.
4: that now they can't actually pursue their policy goals to sort of limit it legally. And I think they're running into a problem because the more they push to try to limit things, people are like, hey, fuck you. We know what that actually means. And they've yeah. been found out. And so and, on. And
7: I think that the reason also why it never can work is because, like, <clears throat> most like, okay, this this maybe stretching the definition a bit, but most people aren't stupid. <laughs> Although one might argue at times. Anyway, uh, most people aren't yeah. stupid, so they're they're gonna notice that this hate speech only goes one way. For example, like you can't hurt someone, hurt someone's feelings, so or, or whatever. They Mm -hmm. will say it's hate speech that you say that, you know, we don't want trannies reading the stories to kids in school because it hurts the feelings of these trannies. But at the same time, allowing these people to do what they do hurts the feelings of, say, your average Christian who believes uh, in the biblical definition of of, um, genders. Or it hurts the unreligious you know person who believes in natural law whatever so people start to notice it only goes one way and this is what happened in sweden as well your average swede is starting to realize that you know this incitement insa- of hate or incitement of hate or whatever the hell it's incitement
2: called. of racial hatred <laughs> yeah but it mm-hmm. only
7: goes one way it doesn't protect okay. you it's, it's white an anti-white people, right? law yeah, yeah. So people are I mean, realizing we, this, and this is why they can't keep on pushing it either. I think. Yeah, we even have tr- uh, white
3: homosexuals in Iceland that are talking about that transsexuals should not be in the school. and They are <laughs> getting hatred for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous, but yeah, you are absolutely right. I think that white people are going to realize it's only anti-white haters.
4: Well, and, and that was something that that was a phenomenon when 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 I was talking earlier about like peak trumpism 17 18 when you know people like even just regular people were like let's get let's just have a white country that seems like the easiest solution what was going on simultaneously to that in the media was all of the anti-white vitriol in the headlines and i remember seeing people collect screenshots of all the headlines from the media and making like a word cloud of like fuck white people, white people need to die, white people need to get busy dying, oh, look, white people got killed by opioids, here's why that's good, like, you know, Vice News, uh, BBC, and yeah. just over and over. And it was the combination, like, the thing that they eventually realized is it was the combination of Trump doing his thing, and then also it was, like, the pull factor of Trump and then the push factor of the media doing this that created this perfect storm. And you'll notice the media is still anti-white, but it's much more subtle than it was in 16 and 17. You don't see like uh, Jews would just be openly gloating in their own media uh, mastheads about like the deaths of white people. Um, And people would screenshot it and then screenshot that Jew saying, I'm Jewish on Twitter, and then just be like every single time over and over and over and over again. And it's like, you guys are doing this to yourselves too, because they just, the chutzpah of these Jews, they just cannot help it.
2: No, and I think that's uh, that's part of the cycle. You know, they're <laughs> running to the end of this cycle of uh, their shenanigans, and uh, they're gonna yes. get kicked the fuck out once again. But I thought we would have mm-hmm. a little break here and uh, come back in a little bit. Uh, do you have another hour? Or are you strapped uh, to time? I,
4: I, have been, I, ha- I have another 40 minutes.
2: All right, 40 minutes. That's good. All right, we got a message here from uh, William Pierce, and we'll be right back.
5: What the fuck did you just fucking say about me, you little bitch? I'll have you know I graduated top of my class in the Navy SEALs, and I've been involved in numerous secret raids against al-Qaeda. I have over 300 confirmed kills, and I am trained in guerrilla warfare, and I'm the top sniper in the U.S. armed forces. You're nothing to me but just another target. I will wipe you the fuck out with precision, the likes of which has never been seen before on this earth. Mark my fucking words. You think you can just get away with saying that shit to me over the internet? Think again, fucker. As we speak, I am contacting my secret network of spies across the US and your IP is being traced right now. So you better prepare for the storm, maggot. The storm that wipes out that pathetic thing you call your life. You're fucking dead, kid. I can be anywhere, anytime, and I can kill you in over 700 ways. And that's just with my bare hands. Not only am I extensively trained in unarmed combat, But I have access to the entire arsenal of the National Alliance, Mm -hmm. and I will use it to its full extent to wipe out your miserable ass off the face of the continent, you little shit. If only you could have known what unholy retribution your clever comment was about to bring down upon you. Maybe you would have held your fucking tongue. But you couldn't, you didn't, and now you're paying the price, you goddamn idiot! I will shit fury all over you, and you will drown in it. You're fucking dead, kiddo.
4: Yo, this is Rob Rondo here from Wheel to Rise. You're listening to the Nordic Frontier, the final solution to all your podcast problems. The uh, final or podcast.
6: Today we call it bone broth. And for thousands of years, our ancestors enjoyed its benefits before it became lost to our modern diets of processed junk. We are now introducing Caveman by Infowarslife.com. The ultimate and true paleo nutrition with bone broth, turmeric root, chaga mushroom, and seven total primal superfoods in a single great tasting formula. Caveman. It's those people living in the wilds having to actually build civilization that are our superior ancestors. And we need to do everything we can to recapture that. Every Everyone knew that you used all the parts of the animal. You used the meat for sustenance, the fat for cooking, but you used the bones for strength. From the outside structure full of minerals and key cofactors to the marrow that produces the blood for the body, this is the engine of the life essence. I'm a long way from the caveman my ancestors were, but I'm sure as hell trying to get back to that essence that made us what we were, and this is a big part of it. I know you're going to want to check out Caveman Ultimate Paleo Formula for yourself and 4 today.
0: You're listening to Resolution Radio. Radio.
6: Radio. Resolutionrdo.com. Are you prepared to bug out? Infidel Body Armor and an Army Ranger have produced a high-speed DVD and book to show you how to drive in combat, patrol, and how to survive in combat. Skills you'll need when it hits the fan. Go to drivendvd.com. drivendvd.com.
7: You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the
4: training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time.
2: All right, we're back from that nice break. We had some words from William Pierce. Some words of wisdom. (laughs) Don't fuck around on the internet or you'll find out. That's what he was talking about. And we had some uh, donations coming in here. We have uh, Peter Gibbons back once again. I think he is our... Prime producer, executive producer at this point. Very nice indeed. Yeah.
7: Leading the leaderboard.
2: Yes, Yeah, we've got a leaderboard going. <laughs> Peter's on top. So uh, he says, I don't except, know.
7: Except he's on my shit list a little bit because he debates me about irregardless, but I still like him. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs>
2: He says, I don't know why there is so much anti-Semitism going on here. It's absolutely not true that Jews aren't hard workers or ne- and never invented anything. They invented the Holocaust. And <laughs> what a hit it has been. Yes, it's timeless. <laughs> timeless. Those poor 270,000 people that suffered from typhus. It's horrible. And we have Ryan GGG. <laughs> Press GGG, I guess. He says, uh, yes, he says, uh, swastika. Very nice, indeed. And silent 7 says, thanks for a double dose of fash this week. Mm, guys, yes, <laughs> you're welcome. You get uh, awesome. one of these.
4: May the blessing of tear be upon you.
2: Mm, all right. So continuing the show. Uh, I was going to say about the fash that it... Uh, like, the rumor that went around the show is that it's insanely prep-heavy. That you're, you've are you got, like, a tome of prep every Sunday. And uh, it feels like, when you're listening to it, fascination feels like a meal. It's like you, you put on fascination, and when it's finished, you feel full. Like, in a good way, you feel satisfied that you got something out of it. You know, like, you can... Um, you can rely on that you have spent time looking for sources, looking for good points to make and all that kind of stuff at the end of the podcast. And if you haven't, I guess you have failed. But most of the time, <laughs> I would say every time I've listened anyway, it's a, it's a good time. And you feel like uh, you've learned something. And uh, I think you're known for your so-called deep dives. And one of those you mentioned earlier was uh, this. Yes? Oh, I
4: was just gonna say, deep
2: dive. Deep Uh One of them was the the Finkelstein thing that you explained earlier. That uh, it's just like uh, you know, Daily Show and the memes. Like they have so many memes that they have. You know, obviously some cross pollination between meme culture and the show for sure. But they're the ones that have had the audience and have spread. Uh, like the Echo and uh, many, many others, and uh, Fascination is uh, known for the the deep dives and things like Finkelthink. Think. And when you have, when you solidify a concept like that, it it's like a shortcut for people when they think about politics. It is uh, when we think about National Socialism, for example. We can we can step over, like we spoke about earlier, we can step over a lot of these uh, taboos and stuff. But we still come to a point where, like in the case of Trump, like we we're wondering what to think. And then you explained it. Like if you apply think, think to the whole or i think, think has been applied and it's been used against you basically. And when you think of it like that, they're trying to force you into this dichotomy. To choose left or right uh, red and blue all that kind of stuff and people just go along with it so i, I think it's a fantastic uh, fantastic concept to to keep around it's like a tool in a toolbox
4: it's a good tool for getting people uh disconnected from that system because it's It's, you know, you can explain it so many different ways, but I mean, it's, it's as though, you know, people, and I don't know the psychological term for this, but, um, people don't like given being given like an overwhelming number of choices. Uh, and so uh, keeping it very simple, like all we have is vanilla ice cream and chocolate ice cream, and then convincing different groups of people why they hate one or the other. So they'll accept the alternative is really the game. I mean, and they've they've done a lot of studies with this. Uh, Edward Bernays, Jewish. Um, they would come to America and just like literally study us like we were in a lab to see how we react to things. And, and a lot of it was under the guise of, oh, well, how do we maximize our product sales to these people? Mm-hmm. They're also studying our habits. And essentially, once they figure out they could sell you product, then they could sell you politics and um, convince you that, you know, they they realize that people develop a lot of brand loyalty under the right circumstances. Uh, and then they they have like anti-brand loyalty um, to other things. And so people have like a reactance to something like, you know, if you're told if there's a certain type of food that you don't like and you're told that's what's on the menu, like your immediate reaction is like, oh, I don't want to eat at this place. And so they just create that feeling about the opposing political party. So you support the other one and it just mm. it never it never ends if people don't like check out from it and see it from the outside and most people never do they don't have the ability to do it because everything they get is from the television or social media where else mm. are they going to get their information So,
2: yeah that's true and we have that obviously in Sweden as well even though we have several parties you know they uh, create blocks mm. and uh, now we've had the moderate block which is the so-called right wing because Everyone couldn't stand the social democrats anymore, so we had to bound together and vote for the moderates because that was going to change everything. And now they're wondering why the moderates are raising the taxes everywhere. They thought, they're not the social democrats, why are they raising the taxes? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, and, and it's every single time like they have collective amnesia, the people, like the, the news cycle is one week. If even that, maybe a few hours, (laughs) like twenty-four hour news week, I don't know, Mm -hmm. a news cycle, sorry. And with these elections, every every fourth year, they don't remember how much they got fucked in the ass last time. They just think that this time, because they're promising all these things, it's going to be different. But it isn't. It's uh, it's not. This is the most important election of our adult lifetime. (laughs) It's (laughs)
5: coming.
2: yeah that's what they were saying, like obviously every election, but in 2018, when we were running, and you know we had the gates open in 2015 and 16 when the Afghans were pouring in and the hundreds of thousands, and uh, you know I felt like, oh my God, the white race is going to die tomorrow. Uh, we're, we're still here.' It's yeah, it's, it's more miserable than ever, for sure, in the in Malmo and Stockholm and the big cities, for sure. But uh, they're still voting for these fucking people, hoping that they're going to change. Not not knowing, like you were talking about earlier, about the conservatives not wanting to change things. They're not thinking about. They're just maintaining this machine. Like they're just making sure that they have a job to go to. They're just making sure that they get paid. They're just making sure that you know politics remains the same. And it, it's very well, hard work, but they, they are achieving it.
4: It's, it's a really remarkable feat too because they have to keep people on paycheck to paycheck uh, lifestyles because if they let people get comfortable for even a minute and they get off the treadmill um, and they aren't like always constantly thirsting and, and having anxiety about where how they're going to pay their rent, how they're going to pay their, for their car and whatever mm. – um, then people get comfortable they start asking questions it's like what are we going to do next it's also the low time horizon where we were talking about this the other week on ftn where you never hear politicians in america talk about their goals for the next 10 years or what america is going to look like in 2050 mm. uh, other than with like greta Thunberg like tier climate
2: <laughs> agenda yeah, yeah.
4: Exactly. But they never say, like, what's the 2030 agenda for our schools or the 2030 agenda for our roads? Yeah, what's the um, demographics
2: 2050? in
4: 2050? <laughs> yes. Yes. And they never talk about it. And so people don't think in those terms. And then the political parties, it's every two years, every four years. And it's just like back and forth, back and forth. And people never like figure they, they're not able to see beyond the rut that they're in. And it's mm-hmm. it's they'll just keep eating shit. Yeah this four
2: year cycle is like an uh, is like a charade it's like an acting gig to make sure that the people never think further than four years it's like mm-hmm. yeah it's a it's a constant lulling of the people
4: because yeah. if you listen to like the chinese or russians or various other uh countries where their political systems are much different um they do talk in those terms they talk in terms about you know, a hundred year cycle and like what, you know, what lies ahead and, and white people used to think in those terms. Um, But because it was, it's easier to think in those terms when Jews have created this system of constant change. Oh God, goy, the societies, is just always moving ahead. And that's what people tell themselves. Mm -hmm. Like when drag queen, drag queen story hours pop up and pedophilia, it's it's like, Oh, it's it's just the path of society. Cool. And it's like all these, you know, gays have doubled in the last 10 years or whatever it is. Who knows the metric. It's like, they they pretend as though those gays were just in the closet and now they're free to come out. It's like no no no. You're creating those with your system, and it's not the way that society is supposed to go. This is not a natural phenomenon. Natural phenomenon is natural socialism. So if you really believe in the natural state of politics, then you'll just let things go back to that
2: mm. without mm.
4: interference. But
2: obviously, that's not going to happen under their watch. Yeah. So, you know, so one of the one of the. Uh someone's uh, echoing. It's back. I will turn that off. <laughs> right. Uh Yeah, one of the deep dives that you did and uh, was about uh, a company uh, called BlackRock. And uh, when I first got into this stuff, like, I came from the truther sphere. You know, these are the q tards today. <laughs> like, if I'd continued on my. Uh, trajectory it would have been q at this point. But uh, at some point, like in this in this journey, I got into contact with the Illuminati, with the, you know, whatever word you could find for the globalists. You know, these secret societies that run the world. They're the Freemasons, it's the Jesuits, it's the the lizards. Uh, and at some point I was uh Introduced to National Socialism, obviously, and the Jewish question. And I started putting names to a lot of these people that were causing harm in history. Like the people that were creating our hate speech laws. The people that were lobbying for mass immigration in Sweden and in America and in all white countries. Uh, the people that were responsible for all the the communist revolutions around the world. And... Uh, well, then I found out that it was the Jews. But when you say that to people, they think it's crazy. Oh, again, they want it more nuanced. Like, these are just individuals, you know. These just have, they have individual goals, you know. They wanna, they're high achievers. They want to make money, whatever. They're greedy. They're greedy capitalists. But then you have something like BlackRock. And I think you also uh, mentioned something like this, that... This is just like the perfect Jewish conspiracy. This is literally Jews buying up the world. They have created a monetary system where they create money out of nothing, putting every single goyim in debt, and then just working to maintain their debt levels while they're buying up the world. They're buying all the things that we can't afford anymore, like land, like farmland like real estate and uh, countries eventually i guess but big companies they're buying themselves into the board of many big countries companies sorry so yeah can you can you tell us about how you found out about blackrock and maybe in short what it is because i don't think we've ever really explained it i think you're muted um, yes, I'm muted. Yes, right right
4: about that. Uh, so, so black Blackrock, I found out about. Um, I think uh in probably some of the similar places that, um, I found out about a lot of the stuff with Trump. Um, that's sort of like, uh, when when I turned away from Trump and Trumpism and and all of that, I started to look into uh the the origin of Trump and Finkelstein and a lot of the the Jews involved with that. And um, you started you started to hit on a lot of these uh, CEOs of companies and Larry Fink was on, on a list. Uh, oh God, he was on a list. Yeah. He's on a <laughs> list. Um, and in a website that I used uh, for a lot of deep dives and it's, I don't know if it's even still up. Yeah, it still is up there. Uh, Exposetheenemy.com. Um, and I don't know if it, and I don't know who runs the website. I don't know who maintains the website. Um, but, it is a I don't even know if it's regularly updated, but they have these really nice uh, maps of of uh, different networks. And uh, they're at the top of the website. There's a thing called networks. And if you go down the list, there's things like Iran Contra cover up Finkelstein, louder network uh, McMaster purge network, Trump honeypot, uh, Israeli prime ministers, just any kind of like Jewish history that you could possibly imagine. And in one of these uh, maps um, and I, and it, I think it's the Finkelstein Louder Network. I don't remember exactly. No, he's not on there. But he's in one of these giant like maps of these Jews and all their connections. And, um, and I was like, well, what the hell is BlackRock? Because I would always get uh, people who know my show, I'll always screw things up sometimes. And then it becomes a joke. Like Harvey Weinstein, I'd always forget his first name. So I kept calling him Chuck Weinstein, Charlie mm. Weinstein. It became a joke. And I would always get Blackstone and BlackRock uh, mixed up because Stephen A. Schwarzman is a Jew, CEO of Blackstone. Larry Fink is a CEO of BlackRock. And uh, Schwarzman was the one that backed Trump. Fink was kind of lukewarm, but didn't. And I would get those confused and people would correct me uh, that Schwarzman was really the pro-Trump guy. But when you look into the re- do the research on it, Schwarzman and Fink both worked for the same bank in the beginning. Um, there's, there's some interview on CNBC Financial News where Fink and Schwarzman are on the same show, and they're asked, why do their company names sound so similar? And they sort of chuckle to themselves as the way Jews do, and like it's an inside joke, that they both decided to name their companies Blackstone and Blackrock. Uh, because of the significance of of the black cube that Jews wear mm-hmm. on their heads, yeah. the black rock in in Talmudry and all that, and it's it's all, I mean, it's all very very. I mean, it's not a coincidence that they named it this way, and there's a reason why they snicker about it. Um, and so, uh, Larry Fink, because of the, uh, <coughs> the the digitalization or digitization, whatever the proper word is, of banking and electronic trading and everything that took place in the nineties and the aughts. And this was after a period of green mailing when Jews were just doing these hostile takeovers of all these goy owned businesses in America and publicly making them publicly traded and then using computer networks essentially to do um, electronic trading and uh, essentially writing algorithms that would um, optimize the economy in a way that where they would get all the power and the wealth. Because if you think about it, why did Jews do greenmailing of these kind companies to get rich or to have control over the economy, right? Consolidate and take over the economy. Because if you have America, a big country, um, you know, hundreds of different aluminum manufacturers. Well, they start consolidating all of these hundreds of businesses under these different economic sectors. With greenmailing, Jews become in charge of these conglomerates. And then you could still have gentile CEOs of these companies. And the big threat that they have always been afraid of is the history of Nazi Germany with Kruppstiel, uh the Porsche Peak family, which is still um, a privately owned company in charge of Porsche and Volkswagen. Um, um, and, uh, Ferdinand uh, Ferry Porsche, uh, the, the patriarch of that family, was literally a member of the SS. Um, BMW, the descendants of that family, um, one of them was a stepson of Joseph Goebbels. Um, Mercedes Benz, the family, was all involved in the Nazi party. Um, And so uh, they were very concerned because uh, Hitler made a convincing argument against communism by getting the captains of industry on his side. And because Jews have a pretty insidious plan for uh, where they want to take us, their risk mitigation plan was, well, we have to control all of these industries more so than we ever did before. And so, um, this is how you have this uh, phenomenon where they go from green mailing, taking over of GOI businesses, and then conglomerating all of those businesses so that even if a PepsiCo or a Kellogg's or a uh, GE or whatever has a, a, a GOI. <coughs> CEO or a Pajit CEO or some, you know, woman or whatever. And increasingly they're, they're putting these people in charge. You've seen this at big tech, you know, the Jews stepped down from, uh, from Google and put a, put a Pajit in charge. I mean, it's just a phenomenon that's going on. And people ask what are, what are those Jews doing? Are they retiring? Are they sitting on a beach eating some matzo balls? It's like, no, they're going into back rooms and they're plotting and they're scheming. That's exactly what they're doing because being a CEO of a company is not really what a Jew wants to do. Um, they want to be like essentially manipulating things in the background. And so mm. what Fink did was through his uh, essentially this this optimization of electronic trading made BlackRock Uh, into the largest financial services firm in the world now they deny that they have 20 trillion dollars in assets um, because they say well we just manage those assets we don't own those assets because they try to do this thing where it's like we're not as powerful as people say but it's like you control the assets you are six percent of the holding power in these, com- in these companies, the largest stockholder, and there's three of these companies, BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street. And between the three of them, and they're all controlled by Jews, um, they own, they are the top shareholders in almost all of the, the world's publicly traded companies. So they control them all. That means they have proxy votes on the board um, and they can force these companies to do whatever they want because if you're BlackRock, and you have 20 trillion dollars in assets or 10 trillion it's changed because the economy has gone up and down. Then you and you have proxy power on all these these boards, then you effectively can tell those companies what to do because you can let's say that there's three aluminum manufacturers in the United States. Well, if one of those decides to go become a Krupp steel or a Porsche or a BMW, you can take the other two aluminum companies and take all their market share. Uh, get the boards to to purge all the bad people in that company and force it out of business and thus like eradicate any threat that you have. And this is why whenever you've seen corporate uh, logos with gay flags and Black Lives Matter flags and all this garbage just sort of not only pop up out of nowhere, but pop up everywhere at the same exact time. And you wonder how is this all coordinated? It's, it's because it's all, they're all essentially being forced at a barrel of a gun. Now, a lot of them enjoy doing it, but they're all like full-throated support for gays, full-throated support for Black Lives Matter, full condemnation of anybody who is a Nazi. We deplore anti-Semitism, just a chorus of this. Um, and it's in this way that essentially all the political power is money power, and it comes – through Larry Fink, because all those corporations can also decide who gets political donations, who wins, who loses, um, and so on and so forth. And uh, Under Trump, with uh, Steve Mnuchin, the Jewish Treasury Secretary that Trump had, um, they made BlackRock essentially supervisory over the the Federal Reserve in the United States during COVID. So BlackRock became the dealer for U.S. bonds, the sole Mm. dealer of U.S. bonds. I mean, it's like Everybody hears about Federal Reserve and it's bad, and it is bad. But then when you hear about BlackRock was, it's like Trump put BlackRock in charge of the Federal Reserve. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> like you kidding me? Uh, so yeah, and it's it's just now the good news with BlackRock is everybody's finding out about the schemes, and it's starting to become um like it's getting a bad name. Um, so, so you asked me where I found out about it. In the bowels of the internet where i found out about everything else and then just started talking about this stuff and uh here we are
2: yeah well the thing when i first heard about it was during covid and how they were buying up all this uh, property when people were losing their homes and they're buying all these uh, apartments and houses and then renting them out i guess selling them as well and very expensively. And now I also heard that they are investing in Ukraine. They're buying a lot of farmland in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was also a documentary here in Sweden. Uh, Jonas Nilsson, uh, a Swedish nationalist, made a documentary about the power brokers you didn't elect. And uh, he goes through the like in the beginning about the powerful Swedish families that we have, like the Wallenbergs, very rich and People that are into conspiracies, they think that Wallenberg rules the world, you know. And then he's, like, explaining that, uh, you know, BlackRock owns Wallenberg. <laughs> they have nothing. And they control all of their assets, like, if they want to. They don't really need to, but uh, if they had to, they could change the course for anything. And it's like like what you were talking about as well, that you still have pockets of uh, privately owned things in the world, and if this uh, continues, if the growth of BlackRock and Vanguard and all that stuff grows, you're going to lose this autonomy completely. And then when you have a, a company that uh, might not uh, care about where you are politically and all that stuff, like uh, some of our, our people, when they get talks they get problem with employment and, and things. And then you, you find a company that doesn't care. Well, if... BlackRock owns everything. Everyone's going to have to be gay. Everyone's going to have to dance for Globo Homo. It's going to be the the, the Globo Homo disco at every single company. And it's going to be multicultural. It's going to be equity, of course, racial equity, and all that kind of stuff. Because uh, it's literally Globo Homo in investment firm <laughs> in one piece. So people need to it become is. aware of this yeah
4: they they do and and it's what's interesting is if you go out on youtube um it's all it's like tons of norm in, in tiktok and instagram it's all normies talking about this stuff about how blackrock controls the global economy and uh they'll even mention larry fink of course they don't mention he's jewish they don't mention that most of the board is jewish um mm. but um just the fact that it popped this bubble that that People had in their minds of like, well, the free market enterprise system and mm. the, the
2: power of choice and they the just won the free market
4: <laughs> through hard work. Well, that means when you say when somebody says you can't bootstrap yourself, that means if you come up with a company, no matter how good the idea is, if and it's and it's a disruptor of a con, uh, company, like some brand new idea that's like wow, it's incredible. A Jew will steal your idea. And then that will get to the front of the line in Larry Fink world, um, and that's all there is. Like you know, the what were the guys' names that that started Facebook and then uh, Mark Zuckerberg stole it? I mean, it's the same concept. Mm. So um, you know, in the old days, you could start because the the economy was so complex and there was no sort of central control, not as much as there is now. You could start a company and and disrupt uh, and and go to the top very easily. But now it's just it's they, they've made that essentially uh, very difficult. And if you do break through, they're going to be like, oh, we're going to buy you out and and you have no choice. Like we're going to buy you out and you have, you know, that's the end of it. So it's, you know, this is the this is the nobody wants to live in this kind of economy either, because then you don't have a you don't have a company that can come in. Uh, we did a deep dive on Whole Foods once before it got bought out by Amazon. And uh, one of the reasons it got bought out by Amazon is because it was anti-union um, it gave its employees really good health insurance and it paid them really high wages and then gave them profit sharing. we working at a grocery store, making like five hundred dollars extra a week if your store did well. Um, th- that was way different than the any other grocery store in the U.S. Uh, economy and um, where everybody else is getting like minimum wage and shit insurance and whatever. And they, they had enough of that. They were like, we're not doing this. And what happens with, with uh, Amazon is, or Whole Foods as soon as Amazon buys it, they, they take the prices down, they lower everybody's wages, and then they try to unionize. And it's, it's uh, or they, they, prevent, they prevent unions, um, but uh, it, it was a means of just preventing those people from demanding more. Uh, so it's just, you know, the, the whole thing, it's just anything good that comes along they destroy it um, mm. out of spite and because they can't allow something like that um, to succeed. It's one of the reasons why they're so mad at Russia right now, um, regardless of what people might think about Russia or, you know, the the rhetoric in, is watered down. One thing that they hate more than anything else is the fact that Russia and China pass anti-homosexual, anti-LGBT laws that essentially say you're not allowed to propagandize to anyone in the media, anywhere it's banned um because it gives people everywhere else this idea that wait so the government can ban faggot shit yes Mm. they can it's possible you could like this is possible it's not that it's chocolate or vanilla ice cream and you have no other choice
2: you can't in sweden because it's state religion but in other countries probably uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, we have some super chats coming in here before the end. Uh, We have uh, Peter Gibbons once again. He says, absolutely flawless episode, comrades. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for the dono. We have white supreme pizza with extra spices. Uh, Question for Jazz Hands. How long does it take to get vetted for the MJP gatherings? It's been going on for months for me. What's going on?
4: Uh, Well, it depends on on where you are um, because you're going to get uh, vetted by people who are local to you. Uh, and then depending on where you are, like within that particular area, um, you know, it's, it might be pretty tough if you live in a very rural place where it's, it's hard to to meet. There's also, uh, checking in from time to time. The, the queue for people who want to get vetted is enormous. Hmm. So I would recommend that people exercise patience there's been every effort made to try to get people through vetting as quickly as possible, uh, but sometimes circumstances based on geography make that difficult, um, but people are people are trying their best to get to get you through. Um, please be patient. Uh, please don't treat the email inbox like Amazon customer service because it's not it's mm. guys just like you. On the other side of it, it's not some Pajit in a call center. So just please be patient. Please be nice. Please be courteous. Nobody – you're not waiting because someone's doing it out of spite. You're waiting because the movement is popular. So we'll just leave it at that.
2: Yes, good news. Good news. All right, so we have Mr. AG back with another donation. He says, you might have heard of the Rasmus Polladonstein did again. Now some fucking organization is opening a giant boycott on Sweden thanks to some Jew pedophile – Also, I finally got a grill friend. Nice. I hope she's black or something. (laughs) Sorry. It's a resident mulatto. I hope. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. Maybe we can bleach him. I don't know. Is it possible? Maybe. Finally got myself a walking dishwashing machine. Yeah, that's right. That's what we all need. Uh yeah, Paladin, he burnt another Quran and started a trend. So they bought they burnt a Quran in Holland uh I think today or no a few days ago maybe. And the Muslims are not happy about it. And uh, but he was saying are that they're the,
3: burning police cars again?
2: No, I I don't think it's that bad. But uh,
3: okay. Yeah I saw something th- about the Turkey not
2: Tur- the- yeah, <laughs> Turkey is burning uh, Swedish flags. <laughs> the Turkey fucking hates us. So we're, you know, we have this thing. uh something right if they hate Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you know about this, Jazz but we, we're trying to join NATO in Sweden. And oh, yeah. Tur- Turkey is the only thing standing in our way because uh, we have <clears throat> too many Kurds in Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> so we have nice. kurds and turks and it's not cool with the turks so they want us to get rid of the yeah, kurds, kurds also. yeah, especially the kurds that we have in parliament they don't like those kurds it's so another burning swedish flag i like this i like this development so are you uh pro keeping kurds around so
4: you don't have to get pulled into nato
2: yeah, exactly. We're gonna sell Kurd flags to give the people to wave around and protest. We're gonna support Kurd Cur- rights. When yes. do we
4: want Kurd rights? We want them now. Give us Kurd rights now.
2: That's right. It's an Anti-NATO flag. That's what we call it. Nice. Yeah, we can have a pagan. Bear who says, "Damn, I have to go. Can't wait for the replay. Thanks for the show, guys. You're welcome. We have Lars. He yeah. donates and he says yeah. swastika." And Peter Gibbon says once again, why why don't they burn the Torahs? These kosher nationalists are such faggots. Uh, it is true. All faggots.
5: Yes. If they would burn
2: the Talmud. I don't know if you can get a Talmud uh, that easily. I know some people that have Talmuds. But uh, if you burn the Talmud and make a big stink about it, I think uh, the Jews were not going to be happy about that. I think that's goodbye for free speech. or that That's the end of the freedom of expression, anyway. Then uh, we have Michael57D says, Heil der Göttern. That's right. Thank you very much. And we say,
4: May the blessing of Tyr be upon you.
2: So now I had all kinds of questions about the NJP as well, but I know we're running out of time. But uh, yeah, do you want to say something short about NJP and your engagement? You're very um, keen on uh, recruiting more people.
4: Uh, Yes. I mean, that's something that we do frequently on the show um, and telling people to get involved and uh, get vetted. They can go to the National Justice Party uh, website, uh, and there is now a, a place where you can get in touch on the contact page um, before we're, we're just giving out an email, but uh, it can be done through the website now. And, uh, yeah, so that's it's nationaljusticeparty.com. Um, I always put the, the directions in, my, uh, in the show post, but uh, you're going to go to uh, the contact page and then scroll down to the bottom, and it says send us a message, and that's where you would um, – there's a drop down for subject and then you go to vetting and then you can send a message uh, for that. And then that'll take you uh, to vetting. So yeah. Um, if you want to get vetted for um, uh, just going to events um, or getting vetted to go to, to join your uh, local uh, national justice supporter groups, they used to be called pool parties. Um, you can get involved that way and get involved in kind of activities going on in your local area uh, and be able to do activism protests and things like that, because um, there 's stuff going on all the time uh, and uh, there 's an event coming up in florida there 's going to be uh, some more up in the northeast of the u s uh, in the summer so um, yeah it's it 's going to be a very busy schedule and and lots going on so uh, definitely get involved um, definitely promote the uh, the party and uh the There's a telegram channel um and share that share that around and um i think that's 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 about it for me yeah
2: now we're big fans over here and uh it's looking pretty good to us and uh yeah you can plug your own stuff fascination what's going on Uh, any plans for the future any future deep dives
4: yeah you know we've been you know been doing deep dives with borzoi for a long time and we're working on one uh, for the Whiskey Rebellion. Um, we did one on Shay's Rebellion uh, when you know white people actually rose up in America. Uh, we, we don't condone violence, but we're, mm. we're illustrating the point that it was only after Shay's Rebellion and Whiskey Rebellion that uh, they decided to staple the Bill of Rights onto the U.S. Constitution. Most people don't know. That But all those things like free speech and gun protection and the things that they're slowly eroding today, that was an afterthought. That was years after the actual Constitution was written, and it was because people were pissed off for not getting paid for fighting in the revolution and did a few rebellions. They didn't like their their rye whiskey taxed, and they did another rebellion, and uh, (laughs) uh, the government was like, okay, 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 we'll give these people a Bill of Rights. Finally, something for the people in this thing, right? Um, So we're going to do a deep dive on that. Andrew Jackson – Uh, my favorite president in the United States. And as far as I can tell from my research, uh, unlike most, if not all, other U.S. presidents, no contact with Jews. And curiously, um, Jews have nothing but shitty things to say about Andrew Jackson. Mm. So... I, I, we can sur- we can surmise from that that he's probably a good guy um, yes. and that's, <laughs> that's what right. abraham lincoln and, and some others were going to do as well. And then just there's always there's always topics that come up as they go. so um nothing nothing on the schedule, but mm. the if anything's coming first, it's going to be whiskey rebellion because I know Borzoi has been doing a lot of the research on that extensively.
2: Nice. Yeah, I got your links in the show notes. People can check it out, and get some uh, a good meal, a good meal podcast. That's what it is. Yes. it's just like ketchup yes. on pasta. It's perfect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. Uh, I-
4: are you a ketchup on pasta enjoyer or yes is that, the uh,
2: sweden the swedish nation puts their k- ketchup on the pasta i, I uh,
3: think it's all the nordic nations actually we do it also in iceland so
2: yeah mm. that's how you get the wow. uh, citizenship in the future nordic nation oh boy
3: you shattered
4: my image of just this beautiful aesthetic of Swedish meatballs and gravy and egg yeah, noodles no, it's I guess- not
2: pretty but it gets the job done that's what we say <laughs> I <guess so. laughs>
3: but I, I, I actually put ketchup on my meatballs here so. yeah Oh, that's maybe, oh. That's
2: for- <laughs> yeah that's how you did alright so I want to thank you for coming on it's been fantastic finally talking to you and uh, thank you. it's been a really good episode yeah, we'd love it to have you back sometime in the future, for sure.
4: We'd love to come back on anytime. Maybe we'll have you guys on Fascination.
2: Yeah, that'd be great. All right, you listened to episode two five three, I think it was. We were talking to Jazz Hands about Fascination and his political journey. We'll be back next week, hopefully, with another exciting guest. We'll see about it. But you can follow us on Telegram. It is Nordic Frontier Podcast and Nordic Frontier Chat. And you can find us on NordicResistanceMovement.org as always, and you can always find me on Twitter, uh, Andreas Ketchup. That's my current Twitter. <laughs> All right. With that, I say, don't be an English cigarette, and hail victory.
3: Yeah, victory. Hail victory.
0: listen to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com.
3: Hello everyone, James Edwards here. Are you sick and tired of liberals and race hustlers and the media calling you a racist just because you oppose Obama's policies? Well my friend, those days are over. After you read Racism Schmacism, you'll never again fear being called the R word. I invite you to discover why every conservative in America needs a copy of my explosive new book. Racism Schmacism has received much critical acclaim and will equip you with the key to unlock their socio-political nuclear bomb once and for all. Order your copy today by visiting the official website of the Political Cesspool radio program, thepoliticalcesspool.org. Proceeds of each sale go to help keeping our award-winning show on the air, and they make great gifts for your conservative friend or family member. Buy racism schmacism today at www.thepoliticalcesspool.org.
4: Is there a count somewhere?
0: You're listening to Resolution Radio Radio. It's resolutionrdo.com.
6: Napa Know How.
1: Napa guy knows the only way you'd give a freshly minted driver a brand new car is if he promises to never drive it. Instead, let him grind the gears and knock over the neighbor's mailbox in something a little more suited to his skill level. And with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, he can safely drive something that's nearly as old as he is. It's not perfect, but it's perfect for him. That's Napa know-how.
2: Napa know-how.
6: Two years ago, InfoWars first told you about our research into what has been called the iodine conspiracy. I've told you about how scientists have known for decades that iodine deficiencies can devastate IQ and how the government knowingly started taking iodine out of the food and adding fluoride, the bad member of the halogen family, into the water. They took the good halogen out and put the deadly halogen in. And when the Fukushima crisis worsened, as it still is worsening today, I was there telling you how to prepare yourself and your family now. Now in 2016, even more information has been revealed concerning the connection between iodine and the gut, which many experts are now saying could be the biggest revelation ever concerning iodine. You can pull these studies up for yourself. This is the real deal, folks, and the truth is that iodine is essential, in my view, to any optimum health regimen. Stock up on Survival Shield X2 today at InfoWarsLife.com or by calling 888-253-3139.